Good morning, everyone. Pastor Tim here at Faith Community. And I just want to say how good it is to be gathered together here today on this second Sunday of Advent. And I trust you and your family are well in this season right now and that you're enjoying all of the sights and the sounds of Advent. You know, this is my favorite time of the year as we prepare our hearts and minds to once more celebrate the birth of Christ and usher in the Prince of Peace into this world. You know, and I bet right now that you are busy buying some of those gifts for those loved ones, those family and friends in your life. You know, gift giving, giving and receiving of gifts uh, are, is such an instrumental part of the holiday season. Like these wise men that are, are going there to see baby Jesus and bringing their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, you know, as I stop and think about all of the gifts that I've received in my life, and, and probably you too, you could probably categorize, place those gifts in, in different categories. You know, sometimes there's those frivolous gifts that we receive, and we don't know what to do with them. And things like uh, an electric yarn untangler or a fancy toothpick dispenser, those are the kinds of things oftentimes we put on a shelf somewhere and they start to collect dust. And we think about other gifts that maybe are given to us with no accounting whatsoever for taste. I'll never forget, one year I received from a member of the congregation a necktie that looked like a piece of bacon. It was supposed to be a Christmas gift, but I kid you not, it looked like a piece of bacon. Another time I received a fly swatter. Maybe you've received one of these. These are the gifts, are they not, that kind of keep on giving, like they say? But then there's those other gifts that we receive, gifts that we really appreciate, gifts, in fact, that we would go out and buy for ourselves. And I'm thinking about maybe a new book that's on the New York Times bestseller list, or I'm thinking about a necktie that doesn't look like a piece of bacon, right? And still yet, there are those other gifts out there that we might not even be able to provide for ourselves. And I'm thinking like a teenager who receives the gift of a new car from their parents. Or maybe a retired couple that is gifted the trip of a lifetime, all of their children pooling together their resources to send their parents on a wonderful trip. But still, there are those other type of gifts out there that money can't buy. And I'm thinking about a gift like that dreaded medical test that comes back negative one day before Christmas. Or a family member who's been estranged from the family, suddenly coming back after several years and bearing the hatchet and extending forgiveness. Or maybe the first time in many years your children and grandchildren are going to be there at the holidays. The first time in 15 years. You know, all of the material gifts piled up together under the tree cannot even begin, really begin to match and equate to that kind of gift received. But you know, I want to tell you about something that is even far superior to that. A, a gift so awesome and wondrous that even as you hold it in your hands, you do not believe that it really is yours you know, this month we have really been in a, a new series, a new worship series that we're calling Adore. Oh, come let us adore him. 
And as Anne mentioned to you last week in our message, you know, to adore means more than merely approving of something uh, or someone or showing any kind of deep appreciation. It has to do with the most profound commitment of our hearts. And there's not such a thing as neutral adoration. You adore something when you see its great value, when it engulfs your being, when it floods your life with incredible joy. You really treasure it and you commit to it. And nothing, I say to you, nothing can do this to us like the coming of the Christ child here at Bethlehem. Now, as we prepare for Christ's coming once more and we get ready to celebrate the birth of Christ, I want to share a scripture that has touched me here recently and one that I think that is fitting for us here in this Advent season, particularly here in 2020. And we find it here in the Old Testament in the Psalms, in fact, in Psalm 85. And it says, just a few verses here, Lord, thou wast favorable to thy land, and thou didst restore the fortunes of Jacob, and thou didst forgive the iniquity of thy people, and thou didst pardon all of their sin, and thou didst withdraw all of your wrath, and thou didst turn from thy hot anger. Restore us again, O God, our, our salvation, and put away thy indignation toward us. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Now, this is a wonderful psalm, an interesting psalm that speaks to us, and we know very little about the author or the audience, I might add, in terms of this psalm, we believe that it perhaps was written after Israel returned from the captivity of Babylon. Of course, they had been set into captivity for some 70 years as a result of their sinfulness. And here we find that they have been restored to their land, but their hearts are still not where it needs to be. And they had this sense of, being restored, but they stood in great need of revival. And I think Israel's situation here kind of parallels ours. We have been blessed, haven't we? God has extended salvation to us, and we have been blessed beyond words. God has provided, but we still are in nowhere where we need to be with God. Just like ancient Israel, the church today stands in need of revival. The writer here in verse 8 remains confident in the future, says God would declare peace to his people. But I believe these are verses today that are on the hearts and minds of us Christians today here in Advent 2020. God revive our hope. God restore civility to our land. God, renew our spirits. Enable us once more to live in hope. Help us, God, in the middle of all the chaos that we see in our world with all of the cruel things that we witness and all the meaningless things that go on. Oh, God, come today and restore our hearts and our land. You know, I think a lot of us are all going to agree that 
The year 2020 is going to go down as one of those apocalyptic type of years. It has been a challenging year to say the very least. There have been brush fires and wildfires and there have been racial tensions and there's been rioting. There's been a bitter election season with lots of mudslinging and the pandemic. And I bet you the word peaceful is not the word that comes to mind when you're thinking about these past 11 or 12 months. It's going to be a year to remember, but also one that we all want to forget. And we're reduced day after day and week after week just to words like, Lord, have mercy, or I have no words to say. And after all, our word, world really knows so little about peace. Even before this pandemic, let's face it, the news and despair that is out in our world threatens to choke out the message of Christmas and the desire for peace hasn't just been limited to our times, but throughout. Think of all of the, the peace treaties that have been put forth and how most all of them have been broken. The truth is throughout history, peace has been a hot commodity and it's in such short supply. And I seldom meet people who are entirely at peace. People who are at peace with this world with their family or their friends or their career, people who are at peace with themselves or especially with God. And this Christmas, I think we want more than anything to have peace restored, to know renewal in our lives, in our hearts, in our church, in our land. We want to see restoration this is the kind of peace that I remind you today that Christmas is really all about in the coming of Jesus into this world who's declared to be the Prince of Peace. And it's a gift so far removed from our experience, so far beyond our grasp that we have not dared to dream that we can have it. And yet it is a gift that we did receive on a silent and holy night some 2,000 years ago, the greatest gift of all is that God sent us his, himself in the person of his own son, Jesus Christ. Now, Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18, and he tells us this, that the real gift of Christmas is that God sent Jesus to make peace between himself and us. And Psalm 85 here, echoing all of this, says that faithfulness and peace will meet and it will spring up because we have a Savior. Faithfulness is possible as faithfulness will well up from the ground and swell up. You know, I saw a cartoon several years ago, and it was a lady standing at the Rock of Advice. And in this crazy cartoon, she asked, what do you give a person full of empty promises? And the caption read, an empty box. And with that, the lady there in the next scene, the next caption, is standing before the, the gift rock and said, I'd like an empty rock, an empty box, and I'd like it gift-wrapped, please. You know, if life were just things, if, life, if it was just that things out there, just, many people would get empty boxes, would they not, here at Christmas? No wonder we have trouble today being faithful 
We are so overextended. We are so rushed here and there to keep up that we neglect the really important things in life. We're blinded and we miss out what it's all about. You know, when I was first learning the computer back in, in high school and uh, was so grateful to lay aside the typewriter and get my very own personal computer, and I believe it was the quickest time that I ever was able to put together a term paper. But by the end of the weekend, by 11 p.m. on Sunday night, I had managed to hit the wrong button and it was all deleted. Have you been there? Have you done that? I think we all have done that, haven't we? And somebody evidently hit the wrong button on this year and caused us all to be in this predicament. But you know, whatever's going on in your life, whatever's happened in your world, whatever problems you've created, we serve a God who wants to restore. We serve a God who says, I'm here to offer you peace, to bring back that civility in your life that restore your heart. And you know, because we have a Savior today, I want to say to you that peace indeed is possible. Well, how do you get peace? Well, one is that you make your way to the manger. Or in other words, you come to Christ. That's the first step. If you really want to experience peace, if you want your panic exchange for God's peace, your worry for God's worship, your fear for God's faith, you come to Jesus. And Jesus is there to receive you. And this is not a one-time thing, but this is a daily thing that we are called to do, to be in relationship with God each and every day. And the answer, I remind you today, is not some fantastic plan or some pill out there on a shelf or in the pharmacy, but it is in a person called Jesus Christ, who is born into this world, that we might be reconciled into God. The second step that we need to take today is to not only come to Jesus, but we need to be connected with Jesus or yoked with Jesus. I'll remind you of the words that Jesus shared in, in, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 11, verses 29 and 30. Jesus there, he said, take my yoke upon you. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, when I say the word yoke, or the yoke that Jesus is talking about here in this text, I'm not talking about the yellow part of an egg. If that's the yoke you're thinking about today, that yoke is upon you. But no, I'm talking about that piece of wood that goes and connects the two horses together so that they can pull a wagon. That, that, that piece of wood that puts two cattle together, two cows together, two oxen or two horses together so that they can move a cart together. And what's the purpose of a yoke? It's to make the load easier by sharing it. And if you don't yoke up a horse with another horse or a mule with another mule, they have to pull the whole load by themselves. And a yoke is a symbol of partnership. And God is saying, I didn't intend for you to pull all of that stuff in life. I don't intend for you in this world to pull all of those worries by yourself, all of those anxieties by yourself, all of those responsibilities and burdens. I don't intend for you to pull all of that stress all by yourself. And that's why, after all, we're tired all the time. That's why we're overextended and oftentimes on the verge of burnout. And you weren't made to go through this life without God 
in your life. And so Jesus is saying here, put on the yoke with me. And the two of us will pull your wagon together. And the truth is, if you stop and think about it, you're going to be yoked to something in this world. Whether you know it or not, if you take a step back and really reflect upon it, you're going to be yoked to something in this world. You know, one of the things I find out that people really yoke themselves to in this world is the expectations of others. Stop and think about it. So much of what we do in life is because of what we think other people are going to think of us. What's our wife going to think? What's our husband going to think? What's our parents going to think? Or our kids going to think? Or what's our, our boss going to think at work? Or our friends or our colleagues? Or what are those people going to think of me at church? That's a load, friends, that we were never intended to carry all by ourselves. Jesus says, take my yoke. It's an exchange. I exchange my heavy burden for this yoke, and I put Jesus in charge of my life. And every time you just yoke up with the Lord, Jesus comes into our life with incredible peace. We come to Jesus as the first step. We connect with Jesus. And the third thing I would say to you is that we really let Jesus change us. We really allow God to have right away in our lives. Jesus is saying here, you need to learn from me. He's saying, there is something you don't know that I can teach you. And I wonder today if you're willing to be taught. I wonder today if you're willing to really give your life to the Prince of Peace. You know, I find in life that the two biggest causes of stress that a lot of people have are really maybe characterized as arrogance and aggression. And, and let me explain that a bit. You know, aggression is we don't want to wait on anything. Now, hasn't this been a year of waiting? We've waited on anything. I plan to see lots of people here that really are bearing a lot of patience, lots of fruit of patience, because we have had to wait on everything. Everything from the PPE, the personal protective equipment to arrive. We've been waiting on hand sanitizer. We've been waiting on toilet paper to come in. We've been waiting on the next news conference. We've been waiting on vaccines or better therapeutics. It's wait, wait, wait. And still we wait and we hide behind these masks and we stay separated from one another. This has been an incredible year to wait. And yet, on the same kind of thought, nobody wants to wait. Nobody at all wants to wait. We want it now. And I want to buy it now, even if I can't afford it. I'll put it on the credit card, even if it's close to being maxed out. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even know or don't maybe even like. But I've got to have it now. And we get aggressive, don't we, in life? And we don't want to wait. We don't want to put the pause button on. We don't want to rethink our circumstance and just consider other people or other things or even the own means that we have and we jump right into things. And as a result, so often in life, we are overcommitted. This kind of aggressive behavior in our life creates so much stress. It overwhelms us in so many ways. The question I have for you then, is it easier to fill your schedule with things or to fulfill those things already on your schedule? Can I get a witness about that? The other here is not only aggression that creates stress, but it's arrogance, which is the opposite, by the way, of humility. 
Arrogance is when you try to control everything. And the more insecure you are, the pickier you seem to get in life. I mean, when you find someone who is hyper-controlling, you tend to find someone who is hyper-insecure. And people who are at peace that don't have a need to control. And when you experience the peace of God, it gives you peace within like you've never experienced before. And you don't have to control everything because you know God is there with you. You've yoked with God and you have exchanged those worries. You've laid them at his feet like 1 Peter 5 says, to cast all your care upon the Lord. And you're not sitting around in judgment of everything because you are at peace. Let's just cut to the chase here today. Are you tired of being stressed out? Are you tired of being so anxiety-ridden, so perplexed at life, you don't know what to do, you don't know where to turn. Peace, I want to say to you today, is yours for the receiving, all because God sent his only begotten son into this world that we could have the prince of peace in our lives. What matters today is really your attitude, and it starts with that moment of clarity that you are not God and that you need God in your life. And then humility, God, I need your help. I come to you. And then the dependency, I come to you and I connect with you, God, and I call upon you and I want you to change my life. I wonder if you would do that today. Here in the middle of Advent, with everything that's going on, maybe you are really struggling. Maybe, you know, I've been coming to church, I've been doing these things, but I've really never said yes to Jesus. I've really never given my life to God and allowed God to come in and, and really take my life. Why don't you do that today? I'm going to pray for you. And, and just right now, whatever's going on in your life, whatever's happening in your world, if you would just come to Jesus here. Give your life to God, the best Christmas that you would ever experience. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you today for that incredible gift that you gave to us and your precious son, Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, there's so much chaos in our world right now, so much worry and anxiety so many problems, but Lord, we know truly there has always been. As we look back through history, even in our very own lives, we know there's been troubled, troubled times. But oh, how grateful we are that even in this world with such tribulation that you said you have overcome the world. And Lord, I pray today that these that are here with us that are so troubled in heart, so conflicted, so stressed out from being overextended and being aggressive in life and, and being so arrogant to want to control everything. Oh God, those who come today in that godly sorrow to connect with you and to yoke with you, I pray, oh God, that you would bless them richly, that that peace that truly passes all understanding would flood their hearts and they would come to truly adore you for the first time. Bless us 
in these times, these moments of worship, we pray in the wonderful name of the mighty counselor and everlasting father, Jesus Christ. Amen.